Aren't you glad you made it to 2022? I mean, the last two years we've wondered if we were, if we were going to get to a new year, you know. But the question uh, for uh, you and for me today is what will cause this new year, this year 2022, to be any different than last year for you? Now, I'm not talking about all the physical things. There are a lot of things you can't control. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about spiritual matters. What's going to make the difference spiritually for you in 2022? Because I believe something with all my heart, and that is that if your relationship with God is not right, then your spiritual life and, uh, and subsequently your ability to walk in victory is not going to happen. So it's, it's vital that we, that we understand how to experience victory by following God in the new year, in 2022. So what difference will this year make for you? The people you surround yourself will have some kind of impact. That's why you need to be careful about relationships. The um, decisions you make will have some kind of impact uh, on your life in the coming year because we really are formed by our, our decisions. And the way you see um, God and the circumstances of your life are going to make a difference. It's going to affect your perspective. One of the reasons I've challenged you to read through the Bible in 2022 is because you need to have the right perspective on life. Now listen, the world will never give you the right perspective on life. I'm not fussing at them. But they don't know God. And if you don't know God, you can never have the right perspective on life and eternity. And so where do you get that perspective? We get it from the Word of God. So that's one of the reasons that I've challenged you to read through the Scripture in 2022. So your perspective will be affected. You know, God created all of us with great potential. But for us to experience that potential, we're going to have to do life His way. And that may mean in the new year, you're going to have to cut loose from some things. I don't know if you've ever heard the story of a man that became affectionately known as Lawn Chair Larry. I read this story years ago, and I was reminded recently about it, and I was working on this message, and, and I thought of Lawn Chair Larry. It's really a guy named Larry Walters, and uh, Larry Walters had originally wanted to be a pilot in the United States Air Force, but he had poor eyesight, and it prevented him from reaching his goal. And so instead, Larry became a truck driver. And he was living a quiet life in San Pedro, California. And then he saw his chance to achieve on some level uh, his dream of flying. And so with the help of his then-girlfriend, Larry purchased 45 military-grade helium balloons. He filled them up and he attached them to an aluminum lawn chair. And he christened that lawn chair Inspiration One. On July the 2nd, 1982, Larry strapped a parachute on his back, packed up his lawn chair with sandwiches and a six-pack of beer, a camera, a CB radio, and a pellet gun. He strapped into his lawn chair and settled in for a ride, which he assumed would take him up about anywhere from 35 to 60 feet, and he would hover there and be able to kind of navigate with the wind uh, and come down in the Mojave de Desert, 35, 60 feet up, and enjoy the ride with his, uh, his uh, nutrition, and he would uh, 
eventually used the pellet gun to start picking off the balloons to let him come down gradually. So when they cut Larry loose, he said, I'm ready, and they cut him loose. He went up to 35 feet, then 60, then 100, then 500, then 1,000, and finally he leveled out at 16,000 feet in a lawn chair. He drifted into the air traffic control space over Los Angeles International Airport. He got nervous that he was in flight traffic, and so he used his CB radio to call the tower and alert the tower that he was flying in their airspace in a lawn chair with balloons. But it gets even more interesting when two pilots of commercial planes radio the tower and said, you're not going to believe this. There is a man in a lawn chair <laughs> that's floating around and waving a gun <laughs> at 16,000 feet. They couldn't believe it. He flew on for about 45 minutes. He finally got up the courage to start shooting the balloons <laughs> out. He began to, to drift back down. And as he's coming down, he had no way of knowing how he was going to come down. He's headed to power lines. And as, he, as Larry drops toward the power lines, he thinks, I'm going to die because I'm going to hit the power lines and be electrocuted. He didn't, but his balloons did. His balloons got wrapped in the power lines and it was so obstructive <laughs> that it shut down all the power in Long Beach, California for over an hour. They finally rescued Larry, got him down. The rescuers congratulated him <laughs> for his flight. The police arrested him. And uh, they discharged him later and just gave him a $1,500 fine, but they arrested him for violating federal aviation regulations. Larry went on to become a motivational speaker for a while. Now, by the way, you can go Google this and you can see pictures of the dude in the chair up in the air. You can, there's one soundbite that I came across of his girlfriend after they cut him loose, <laughs> screaming, Larry, stop, stop. Well, you can't really stop, you know. She's screaming, stop, shoot the balloons out, Larry, when he's up just a few feet because they see him and he's going up fast. <clears throat> well, again, he was arrested. But you know, what a ride. What a ride. Now, here's my question to you as you face a new year. What kind of ride are you going to take this year? I, will it be victorious? Or is it going to be a ride filled with fear? Will it be a ride uh, filled full of failure? Or, or will it just be a ride of spiritual mediocrity? It'll all be based on some things that I want to show you today. And I believe if you're going to go because God has created you with great potential, you might say Larry reached his potential. But all of us have been created for potential, this great potential for the kingdom of God. And in order to get there, you may have to cut loose some things 
to go further and higher than you've ever gone with God this year. And so I begin this new series talking about the victorious Christian life. And we're going to talk about several areas uh, of life over the next uh, several weeks. Things like victory over temptation, victory over worry, victory over loneliness. You know, they're telling us now loneliness is off the chart since COVID has, has struck this uh, our nation, the globe, really. There's more depression, more discouragement. We'll talk about uh, those sorts of things. Victor, uh, victorious stewardship, a lot of practical areas of life that we all need to experience victory in. And we need Christ's power to help us do that. I hope you'll be there uh, here for all of them. But today and next week, what I want to do is I want to provide some context and some essential foundational things that will help you get started in this new year in a victorious walk of faith. And so if you're physically able, I want to invite you to stand with me this morning as we read 1 Kings 18, beginning in verse 20. We're not reading the whole story. I'm going to fill some gaps in for you. Uh, as we go, but keep your Bible open when you sit down. In verse 20, it says, So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel, and he gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go, uh, will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people, look at this, and the people did not answer him a word. And then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us, and let them choose one bull for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bull, and lay it on the wood, and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord, and the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. Now, Father, I pray that you will take your word now and that you'll use it to challenge us and to convict us, to convert those who do not know you. But, Father, speak into our life so that we can understand how to walk with you into a new year and to walk uh, as victorious Christians. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart now be acceptable to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer, in Christ's name I pray, amen. Thank you, and you can be seated. Now let me give you a little bit of background here on the passage that we just read, because we break into a narrative, we break into a story, and I would, I would encourage you to go back and read, uh, go back several chapters and read so you get the picture of what's going on here fully. But this passage talks about one of the greatest showdowns of all time. It was uh, the prophets of the age... The prophets of that day uh, are confronted and they come face to face with God. And these were false prophets. By the way, one day all the false prophets will have a showdown face to face with God. And so that's what's happening here. They're having this, this showdown with God. And, and this is following three years of drought. Elijah was a man of God and God spoke to him and one of the things he, he he did was he spoke through Elijah to call for a drought and so there was a drought in the land of Israel and the drought was because God was trying to get their attention they had turned their backs on God they had begun to worship pagan gods Baal and Asheroth and they they worshiped these pagan uh, uh, deities and so consequently God said he had enough. God will always eventually come to the place where he said, I've had enough 
And he said, I've had enough. They, they, their hearts have grown cold. They've turned against me. And so Elijah speaks to Ahab. Ahab was the king. And he was a weak uh, and um, a useless uh, king. His wife really called the shots. Her name was Jezebel. You've heard that. Have you ever noticed nobody names their kid Jezebel? Oh, look at our little Jezebel. She's going to grow up and be a bad thing. You know, we don't name them Jezebel. We don't name them Judas. And Jezebel kind of called the shots. And she hated God. And she hated Elijah in particular. And so, because she had been a part with her husband of turning the people away from God and helping them worship all kinds of pantheon of different gods, um, Elijah prays and says, God, uh, says, uh, God stop the rain. And for three years, there was no rain. It was so severe that their cattle were dying, their livestock was dying, everything. People were dying of hunger. There was a famine in the land. You can imagine the effects of a, of a three-year drought. And so, so that's what was happening that finally led up to this confrontation. And so they gather, all of Israel, it says, gathered together with them uh, uh, to see this uh, showdown. Elijah said, you do this, I'll do this, and whichever God answers by fire, that is God. And with that as kind of background, uh, I, I want to show you several things this morning. I want to end with three things that Elijah did, which I, I've simply titled Seeds of Victory. If you want to know how to kind of plant the foundation or plant the seeds of victory in the coming year, uh, make sure you get those last three things that I'm going to share. But we, we, there are several valuable principles that we learn when we look at this story. And with that in mind, let me give you uh, three precepts. Number one, I want you to see the decision of God's people. Verse 21 tells us about that Elijah confronts not just, look, the confrontation is not just with the prophets of Baal and Ahab. The confrontation is also to the people of God. He challenges the people of God. Look at verse 21, because this is one of the key verses in this passage we read. He, Elijah came near to all the people, that is Israel, and he said, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? How long are you going to try to stay in the middle? How long are you going to, to waver in your belief? They had become politically correct for their day. If you think political correction, uh, uh, correctness is a new phenomenon, it's not. These people had become politically correct. What had happened was the rulers of the nation who had, had moved from God, they themselves began to say, everybody, let's worship all kinds of gods, the pagan gods. And the pagan gods are always more than Jehovah God. And the people began to worship all these uh, wicked pagan gods. And so Elijah calls them out. And, and basically what he's saying is you, you can no longer claim that all gods are equal. That's kind of the culture we live in, isn't it? All God, you pick a God you want to believe in. And well, that's what Elijah was faced with. And he said to the people, he said, you can't do this. You can't live in the middle. You've got to choose. You gotta, uh, you, you've got to make a decision. And notice, if you will, in verse 21, something very interesting. I called attention as we read the passage. It says, and the people did not answer him a word. So he confronts him. He said, how long, Israel, will you go on limping or wavering between two different opinions? And it says the people didn't answer. They didn't say, well, well probably enough. You know, they didn't answer because, guess what? They wanted to fit in with the status quo. 
And so nobody was going to make a statement and say, enough, we won't do it anymore. Nobody's going to say, well, we'll keep doing it. for." They just say, well, just, just keep your mouth shut. Isn't that kind of like the age that you and I are living in? Just don't say anything. Don't speak up about anything. Just keep your mouth closed and, and, and try to maintain the status quo. That's where they were. They were unwilling to make a decision for the Lord. And the fact is, you just can't live in the middle with God and walk in victory. In this coming year, don't think that you can operate by straddling the fence, by living in the middle and and experience victory in your life, spiritual victory in your life. There comes a time where you have to make a decision. It was time for them to make a decision. Who they would serve? Would they serve the, the gods of the age or would they serve God alone? Your decision, you see, about God will determine your destiny. Don't miss what I just said. Your decision, and I would add, your decisions related to God will determine your destiny. Not just your eternal destiny, but this whole year will be affected by your spiritual decisions. Eleanor Roosevelt said this. She said, one's philosophy is not best expressed in words. It's expressed in the choices that one makes. In the long run... We shape our lives and we shape ourselves through our choices. The process never ends until we die. And the choices we make are ultimately our responsibility. It's true. God allows you to make those kinds of choices. He had allowed these people to make their choices. But now God may try to say, I'm trying to turn you. I'm trying to get you headed in the right direction. But it was time for them to make a decision. They had come to that place. Elijah's calling them to that. But it was also a time for them to stop wavering. Because you'll never experience victorious faith if in your heart you're trying to serve two gods. And you know, Jesus addressed that, didn't he? Jesus uh, says in Matthew chapter 6, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one, love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. It was time for them to stop wavering. Instead of trying to say, well, we'll, we can kind of do both. We'll try to live in both worlds. It was time for them to stop wavering. It was time for them to identify themselves. Sooner or later, by the way, you'll have to decide where your loyalties lie. Sooner or later, you'll have to decide. And don't make it a spontaneous thing. Here's what I mean by that. Don't wait to, to that moment when you suddenly have to, oh, I've got to, I've got to identify. Identify now. And you won't have to say when you get to that moment where you have, must identify your, what team you're on, what side you're on, where you won't have to go, uh, I need to think about it, or I'm just going to keep my mouth, I'm going to try to slide uh, by. Yeah, but decide now. And when that time comes, you won't be going, whose side am I on? Who, which, side, which side is the best side right now to be on? You won't be having to do that. It was time for them to identify themselves. Do you know there's a church in the book of Revelation? The church at Laodicea, I've been to that area in southern Turkey where it was, and all it is now is a memory. There are some ruins where we say this was where the church of Laodicea was, but it's not there anymore. And you know what? That's consistent with the promise of God. God said, if you do not turn back to me and make me your first love, I will come and I'll wipe you out. And so there, there was a church at Laodicea, but there's not a church at Laodicea now that is spoken of in Revelation And listen to what Jesus said to the church at Laodicea. They looked so well and so good outwardly, but inwardly they had left God behind. And Jesus says to them, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. 
And so Elijah makes a similar kind of confrontation. He's saying to them, it's time for you to decide. It's time for you to stop wavering. It's time for you to identify yourself and stop straddling the fence. John Ortberg talks about the longest engagement that we know of in history. And it was between a Mexican couple, Octavio Guion and Adriana Martinez. And Octavio popped the question to Adriana back in 1902. They were both 15 years old. She said yes, but they couldn't quite decide on the best wedding date. So they kept putting it off. You know, we'll do it, we'll do it, we'll do it. And they finally settled on a date and got married in 1969. They were both 82 when they settled on the right time. It took them 67 years to decide to get married. Now listen, you don't have that kind of luxury with God. God doesn't say you can just keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. Some decisions must never be put off. And Elijah's saying that to these people. It was time. He popped a very important question to them that could not be put off until some future time. He says to them, who are you going to serve? And who are you going to follow? And by the way, notice he calls them to a relational decision. It's a relational thing. It's a relational thing. Who are you? You know, with God, your decision to follow Him is relational. It's based on information you have, but it's relational because it's a commitment of your soul to Him. And so he says, who are you going to follow? You can't keep living in the middle. And if you, want to, if you want to live in victory in this year, in this new year, in 2022, you've got to decide, not eventually, but you've got to decide right now to follow Jesus with all your heart. Here's a second precept I give you, and that is I want you to note the direction of God's prophet. We see it in verses 22 through uh, 24, verse 30, and we'll reference those a little bit later on. But he gives them instruction. This is the man of God who has heard from God. How do we know that? Well, we see something repeated in the life of Elijah. If you go and read through this story, look at verse 1 of chapter 18. After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. You see, that's, God was speaking to him. He was telling him, he was giving him instructions. And that is what brought them to this place, to the Mount Carmel, where this whole event took place. And so Elijah is speaking on behalf of God. Here's what you do. He comes and he brings to them instructions. He give, brings to them directions. And so he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to bring us two bulls. And he begins the whole process of telling how this was going to work out. Now, here's, here's what I want you to, to catch. I want you to understand that victory requires listening to God's instructions as opposed to instructing God. Victory results from listening to the instructions of God as opposed to instructing God. You know, sometimes we're better at instructing God. Now, God, this is what I need you to do. God, this is what I want you to do. And God, if, you, if you're hearing me, you'll do it like this and this and this and this. And you know what God wants us to do? He wants us to come to Him and He wants us to say, God, what do you want to do? 
What do you want to do? Victory is found when I listen to God's instruction instead of trying to instruct God in my ways. And so the, the man of God comes with the Word of God to the people of God. And the challenge of Elijah is, is to, under, to give them the truth so they can understand and see the difference between Baal and God. The instruction of God, the Word of God will always separate truth from error. In 2022, if you want to live the victorious life, you're going to need the Word of God. Because it is a filter for your life. There are a lot of people that, a lot of Christians, well-intentioned, they, they, the filter, they've allowed the world to be the filter of their decisions, the Word to be the, uh, the filter of their behavior, what's acceptable, what isn't acceptable. That's what was going on with Israel. It's why God confronted them. But in 2022, if you want victory, that's why, again, we're reading through the Word of God. You're going to need it. You're going to need wisdom. You're going to need insight. You're going to need truth to determine, is this true uh, or, and, and this error? And see, that's why the instruction of God is so important for your life. Your life will be dramatically affected by the amount of God's Word that gets in you. Because thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I took your word and I became wiser than all my teachers, the scripture says. You're going to need the word of God. If you want victory in this coming year, you're going to need to saturate your heart and your mind with the word of God, the instruction of God, so that you will know what's the difference between what is truth and what is error that's being. And so you decide to follow him but then uh, decide to obey the instructions of God and following the direction and following the instructions uh, of God is a pathway that will lead you somewhere guess where it will lead you it will lead you to his presence into his presence if you right now you're in a place in your your spiritual life say well I don't just don't feel the presence of God like I used to feel listen Take in the Word of God, listen to the Word of God, obey the Word of God. It will lead you back to this sense of His presence, and then it will take you to the experience of His power. His presence and His power will result. It's not about odds. You see, there, think about this. This is Elijah. He's one man, and he's up against 450 prophets of Baal. Now, from a purely human standpoint, you would say, Elijah, you better hope God comes through because 450 of them, there's one of you, and if it doesn't work, you're toast. Because see, Jezebel had already, had already sent out orders to find Elijah. Ahab and Jezebel said that they had been trying to find him. For three years they'd been trying to find him. They couldn't find him. Why? Because God kept protecting him. That's another message altogether. But but at any rate, so Elijah is there by himself and these 450 prophets. And, and so the people are thinking, Elijah, better be right. Because if not, that's why they were chicken. I mean, that's why they kept their mouth shut. Because they knew what was going on here. And they, they didn't have the confidence in God that Elijah had uh, uh, in God. But listen, Elijah knew something. Elijah knew that it wasn't about the physical odds. 450 of them and me. You know what Elijah knew? He knew that, listen, God is a majority under any circumstance. 
They could have had 450,000. And God was still a majority. You remember the story of Gideon? Gideon started out, I think it was with 35,000 soldiers, and God said, that's too many. He kept cutting them back, cutting them back, cutting them back, cutting them back. And finally, there was just really, in the grand scheme of things, just a handful, and God said, that's perfect. You see, when God is involved, God is the majority. Dwight Moody said this, Take your stand on the rock of ages. Let death and let judgment come. But the victory is Christ and yours is through Him. That's why Paul wrote in Romans 8 and 31 says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Elijah understood with God, he's in the majority. Victory and obedience, you see, are partners. When you do what God says, listen, are y'all listening? When you do what God says, you get what God promised. No matter what the odds look like. And in 2022, there are going to be some challenges for you. And the odds are going to be stacked against you. And it's going to look like there's no way. But God. You ought to, you know, you ought to do something interesting? Then go do a study of that phrase, but God, in the Bible. But God. The odds are stacked against you. There are going to be times when you're going to say, man, if I go with God, I'm going to be an outcast, or the odds are going to be so stacked against me. Now, listen, go with God. God is a majority under any of the circumstances you will ever face. Victory and obedience are partners. Sir Leonard Wood was visiting the king of France on one occasion, and the king was really pleased with Sir Leonard and he invited him for dinner to come back for dinner the next day. And so Sir Leonard went. But when he arrived, the king said to him, he said, Sir Leonard, I didn't, I didn't expect to see you here today. How, how is it that you, that you came back? And Sir Leonard replied to the king, he said, Did not your majesty invite me to dinner with you today? And the king said, Yes, but you didn't answer my invitation. To which Leonard said this, he said, I didn't think it was necessary because a king's invitation is never to be answered, but simply obeyed. Listen, friend, if you want to live in victory in 2022, simply obey the invitation and the word of God and its direction for your life. But then third, I want you to notice the display of God's power. There is a sequence happening here, and I'll get to that in just a moment. There's a sequence happening here. We didn't read these verses, but they repaired the altar in verse 30. We'll come back to that. But look at verse 37 and 8. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. And then fire, the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, and, and the wood lapped up all the water. It's the display of God's power, but it's come after certain things have happened, right? It's come after they've turned themselves back toward God. It's come after they have repaired uh, an an altar. I'll talk about that in just a moment. A.W. Tozer said this, God is looking for people through whom He can do the impossible. What a pity that we plan only the things that we can do by ourselves. And it's worth noting that the power of God fell after their obedience, not before their obedience. You know, sometimes what we do is we want God to display His power or His miracles uh, so that we can be inspired to follow Him. 
If God would just do this, it would be easier for me to follow. If God would just, if he would, if he would do it like this, I've already kind of figured out how, if God would do that, if God would show me a miracle, then I could follow him. It would inspire me so much to sell out. Listen to me, God won't do that. To him that seeks a sign, no sign will be given, Jesus said. God won't do that. You know why? Because God wants you to trust him on the front side, then you get to see the power of God on the back side. And this is real hard for us to do, isn't it? I mean, think again about this. Have y'all got the picture of this? This would be a great movie. And you, can y'all see on Mount Carmel, this, this event that's going on, all the nation of Israel has gathered, you know, they're, they're there to see what, how this is going to you know, play out. And, and there's the prophets of Baal and their false prophets, and they got their sacrifice, and Elijah does the same thing, except he goes to a different degree. And, and they're, they're, you see this thing going, and, and Elijah says, tell you what, we'll make this simple. Whoever's God, whoever, uh, whoever's God answers with fire, that's God. Everybody said, that makes sense. And the prophets of Baal thought it was theirs. So they, they did all this. The Bible says that they, uh, they begin to plead with Baal uh, from early morning to midday and nothing. There's just nothing. And then they continued, I guess after lunch. I don't know. They just continued on. And it's so bad that Elijah, one guy against 450, Elijah starts making fun of them. Did you... Did you read that? If you read the, read the rest of the story, Elijah starts making fun of them. At one point, he even says to them, maybe your God had to go to the bathroom. Did you see that? Maybe, your God, maybe Baal's in the bathroom. That's why he's not showing up. And, and he keeps, he's poking fun at him. He said, y'all aren't dancing enough. And then they started cutting themselves with knives. Maybe, hopefully, that'll cause Baal to see how serious we are. Nothing Nothing. Finally, finally, Elijah said, okay, y'all done? It's my turn. He tells the people of Israel, he says, I want you to do something. I want you to take four mega pots of water. I want you to dump it over the sacrifice laying on the altar. And, And they did. And then he said, go back and do it again. Go back seven times. He said, keep coming, keep coming. Until it says the water had drained off of the the bull into a trench that was dug around the altar and the water had filled that up and then and then he prays and he calls out to God and the fire falls here's what I want you to understand we are to be doers of the word we are to be obedient first and then the power falls then the fire happens does that make sense it doesn't come first. Oh, now if I see the fire fall, then I'm going to get serious about God. It doesn't work that way. It works just the opposite. To him that needs a sign, no sign shall be given, as Jesus says. But to him that trusts, he'll see the hand of God. Now, him that, and that's where Elijah is. And sure enough, sure enough, we see fire fall. And so that's what I want to wrap up with. I, I want to give, just give you what I believe are three seeds of victory, three things that Elijah does that brought about victory for them and I believe are essential for our own victory as we head uh, into this new year. The first is this, he called them to repent. If you go back to verse 21, which we looked at at the beginning, he says, how long will you limp or will you waver? If the Lord is God, then you follow him. And if he isn't, then you follow the other gods. He was calling them to repentance. He was saying to them, I want you to, in fact, even when he prays later, he talks about 
their repentance so that their hearts will turn back to you. Do, do uh, call them to repentance. In his book, I Surrender, Patrick Morley writes that the church's integrity problem in the culture is in the misconception that we can add Jesus to our lives but not deal with sin or subtract sin. He goes on to say, it is a change in belief without a change in behavior. And so he says it creates this integrity problem. So people say, well, you confess Jesus, but there's no evidence of Jesus in the way you behave. Repentance means not that I change just what I believe. I, I change my behavior. My behavior is adjusted because of repentance. They had left God. Israel had left God. But they were told to turn back and follow God. That's repentance. Get clean with God if you want to experience the power and the presence and the victory of God. So, do you want this year to start right? Then get right. Deal with those things that have robbed you of victorious living. You may, there may be some things in your life that are stymieing the power of God operating in your life. There are some things perhaps that you're holding on to that you need to you need to let go of. There's some sins that you're coddling that you need to give up. And you're not going to go up with God until you give up things that are displeasing to God that He's made known to you and you know what they are and you need to repent of. You say, do you know what they are? I don't know what they are. I don't know what they are. I know when I have to deal with things in my life and I know that when I do and if I don't, I... I, I lose that sense of the presence and power of God. And so in this year for victory, you, there, are there some things you need to deal with? But second, I want you to notice, not only did he call them to repent, he called them to repair the altar. Verse 30, we didn't read that, but look at it if you will. Then Elijah said to the people, come near to me. And all the people came near to him. Look at this. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Now what's he talking about there? This is about worship. This place where they were, Mount Carmel, had previously been a place of worship for the living God. The God, not Baals. But as the people had turned cold, and as they'd moved away from God, and as they'd swallowed the politically correct ideology of the age they were living in, and which said, one God is as good as another, just pick your God. Guess what happened? The, the worship of the living God that had been exclusively their God they compromised. And over time, the altar where they had worshipped God broke down. And what, is, what does Elijah do? He says, come people. He said, we're going to repair the altar. This place is the place of worship for God. It's been neglected. It's been ignored. It's been unused. But it's time to repair. It was time for them to see again the importance and the significance of the altar of worship and the place of God. So I ask you this morning, how is the altar to God in your heart? Is the altar, you say, I, I don't see the physical altar broke down, but you know, you know, sometimes the altar in here gets broken. The altar of worship gets broken down in here, and we just drift away from God, or we become cold or insensitive to God, and God quits speaking into our hearts. Why? Because we've torn down the altar of worship inside, in here. Victory, power, and fire came after the altar was repaired. 
So I ask you this morning, does your altar need to be repaired? So that you can, again, worship God with all your heart and strength. The altar was restored, and the hearts of the people were turned back to God. And then there's third and final thing that I want you to see, and that is that Elijah lifted up his request to God. Verse 37, we've already read it there, but he says, he calls out to God, says, answer me. Answer me, O God. And here's the third principle or seed for victory for your life in the coming year. It is to call, learn to call upon God. In other words, I might say it this way, how's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? You know, I said you're going to need in 2022, you're going to need the Word of God, right? Let me tell you what else you're going to You're going to need a healthy prayer life. You want the presence and the power of God operating in your life. If you do, you're going to have to cultivate your prayer life. I don't know where your prayer life is, but I know this. Probably most prayer lives are not where they could be or should be. You want victory in 2022? You're going to have to repent if anything you know that is keeping. And that's going to be an ongoing process. And then you're going to have to spend time in the Word of God, but you're going to have to repair the altar. You're going to have to cultivate your prayer life. That's what he's talking about here. He calls out to God. R.A. Torrey said this, Listen, the reason why many people, Christians, fail in battle is because they wait until the hour of battle. You got that? They fail because they wait. In other words... They, they hadn't been praying, and all of a sudden they realize they're in, a, they're in war, spiritual war, cultural war, whatever it may be, and suddenly they say, I better pray. I guess that's better than not praying, right? But he goes on to say, the reason why others have victory and succeed is because they have gained their victory on their knees long before the battle came. So they understood we need to be We need to be praying. We need to be on our knees before God. Before we ever get to whatever that, if we're going to have victory, instead of suddenly say, oh no, I've got to start praying. We need to pray so that we're ready when the battle comes to live in victory. Does that make sense? Tori goes on to say, anticipate your battles. Fight them on your knees. We, We sing about it. Fight them on your knees before temptation comes, and then you will always have victory. So, do you want to live in victory this year? I, you know, to ask the questions, to answer it, I, I suspect nobody in this room will go, not me, I want to crash and burn. I mean, we want victory, right? We want to live in victory. We want to experience that kind of victory this year. Well, those three things are a good start. Repent. Repair and request. Those three things are good, and they'll help you avoid trying to live in the middle. You know what I want to do this morning? I want to call you to the altar. I want to do something with you that I did with the first hour. And look, I understand these days, you know, uh, I understand viruses and all that. So I, I, but I want to call you to the altar. If you're comfortable doing that, if you're not we're not going to think you're unspiritual. 
But if you're comfortable coming and kneeling before God, I want, I want those of you who are comfortable, I want you to come and kneel before God at this altar. And let's start out right. If you go on and read the rest of this story, Elijah, he prays for the fire to fall, and it does, by the way. Um, but then if you read over just a little ways, then he says, okay, it's time, God says, it's time for the drought to be lifted, and Elijah begins to pray. And you know what the Bible, you know how the Bible says Elijah prays? It says he gets down on his knees, and he puts his head between his knees, and he begins to call out to God. It's a picture of a man before the altar calling out to God. And so I want to call, call you, if you're comfortable with that, balcony, ground floor, I want to invite you to come. Why don't you stand right now? And if you're comfortable doing that, I want to invite you to slip out, okay? You can spread out wherever you want to. You don't have to get uh, uh, arm in arm with people if you're comfortable doing it. If you're not, it's okay. We're not going to think you're not spiritual. You can kneel around where you are. Uh, I, I mean, whatever you want to do, okay? And I want us to pray, and I want us to... I want us to talk to God about victory in our lives, in our church, but most of all, most of all, for the glory of God Almighty as we go into a new year. All right? Father God, we humble ourselves before you. Lord, we cry out to you. We lay our hearts and souls upon the altar so that in this coming year we will experience a victory and the glory of Jesus Christ. And we pray that your glory will be manifest through our obedience and through our victory. Lord, we don't know what's ahead. We don't know what's ahead. Uh, Father, we don't know what's ahead with... A disease and sickness. We don't know what's ahead with, with the economy and those kinds of things, God. We don't know what's ahead relationally or socially, God. But we know this, with you, you are the majority. And Father, we want to ask you to help us walk in victory this year. And Father, for any in this place, if there's something that, that they know is restricting their ability to connect with you and have the power of the Spirit of God upon them right now, Father, in these moments, I pray that you'll help them deal with that to you. Lay that not only before you, but lay that on, their, uh, on the altar of their heart as a sacrifice. Now, if that is you, would you just tell the Lord right now, Lord, here it is. You tell Him in your heart, this is what it is. Or these things are, are what it is. And I give them to you, Father. I've been coddling them or holding on to them, God. And I want your power. I want your presence. And I'll do what you say. I'll obey you so that you can manifest yourself in me and through me. Now, Father, would you hear our prayers that we offer them up to you, Father, for our good 
and for your great namesake and your glory and so that people around will know that we don't live in the middle that we've declared where our loyalty is and it is with Jehovah God Father help us to begin this year walking in power and victory not by might not by power of flesh but by the power of the Holy Spirit let it be true of us in Jesus name we pray amen those of you around this altar you feel free to go back to your seat or you feel free to stay here at the altar it's entirely up to you but I don't want to close without another invitation and that is an invitation to those who are watching us by live stream or those of you in this live audience if you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ there's nothing more important than that decision and so I want to invite you before we're gone to give your life to Jesus Christ if you've never done that live stream you can call out to him in your heart just like those people gathered in this room you just say something like this to him and mean it Lord Jesus thank you for dying for me on the cross I know that I'm a sinner but your love covered me when you died for me and right now I invite you to come into my life forgive me and be my Savior I want to tell you something he will hear that prayer how do I know it's because he said he would whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved and so I invite you to do that and then you can let us know about that we'd love to know and pray with you and help you take next steps and you'll you'll see contact information on our screen and to those of you who are live or live stream you can just text us the word pastor that's all you need to do to 334-384-8080 we'll take it from there we know what to do with it there and just text it you can do that in this room or maybe you want to join in just a moment I'm going to step down here before we're gone we'll have a, a live invitation but you know the invitation is open to you on, on multiple levels text us I'd like to join to that same number 334-384-8080 I want to join I need to be baptized whatever it may be don't miss this moment to begin the new year in victory.